world to the food industry, we began spending so much of our time thinking about food and watching other people cook it on television. The less cooking we were doing in our own lives, it seemed, the more that food and its vicarious preparation transfixed us. Our culture seems to be of at least two minds on this subject. Survey research confirms we're cooking less and buying more prepared meals every year. The amount of time spent preparing meals in American households has fallen by half since the mid-60s, when I was watching my mom fix dinner, to a scant 27 minutes a day. Americans spend less time cooking than people in any other nation, but the general downward trend is global. And yet at the same time, we're talking about cooking more, and watching cooking, and reading about cooking, and going to restaurants designed so that we can watch the work performed live. We live in an age when professional cooks are household names, some of them as famous as athletes or movie stars. The very same activity that many people regard as a form of drudgery has somehow been elevated to a popular spectator sport. When you consider that 27 minutes is less time than it takes to watch a single episode of Top Chef or the next Food Network star, you realize that there are now millions of people who spend more time watching food being cooked on television than they spend actually cooking it themselves. I don't need to point out that the food you watch being cooked on television is not food you get to eat. This is peculiar. After all, we're not watching shows or reading books about sewing or darning socks or changing the oil in our car, three other domestic chores that we have been only too happy to outsource and then promptly drop from conscious awareness. But cooking somehow feels different. The work or the process retains an emotional or psychological power we can't quite shake or don't want to. And in fact, it was after a long bout of watching cooking programs on television that I began to wonder if this activity I had always taken for granted might be worth taking a little more seriously. I developed a few theories to explain what I came to think of as the cooking paradox. The first and most obvious is that watching other people cook is not exactly a new behavior for us humans. Even when everyone still cooked, there were plenty of us who mainly watched, men for the most part, and children. Most of us have happy memories of watching our mothers in the kitchen, performing feats that sometimes looked very much like sorcery and typically resulted in something tasty to eat. In ancient Greece, the word for cook, butcher, and priest was the same, megaros, and the word shares an etymological root with magic. I would watch, wrapped, when my mother conjured her most magical dishes, like the tightly wrapped packages of fried chicken Kiev that, when cut open with a sharp knife, liberated a pool of melted butter and an aromatic gust of herbs. But watching an everyday pan of eggs get scrambled was nearly as riveting a spectacle, as the slimy yellow goop suddenly leapt into the form of savory gold nuggets. Even the most ordinary dish follows a satisfying arc of transformation, magically becoming something more than the sum of its ordinary parts. And in almost every dish you can find, besides the culinary ingredients, the ingredients of a story, a beginning, a middle, and an end.
Then there are the cooks themselves, the heroes who drive these little dramas of transformation. Even as it vanishes from our daily lives, we're drawn to the rhythms and textures of the work cooks do, which seems so much more direct and satisfying than the more abstract and formless tasks most of us perform in our jobs these days. Cooks get to put their hands on real stuff, not just keyboards and screens, but fundamental things like plants and animals and fungi. They get to work with the primal elements, too, fire and water, earth and air, using them, mastering them, to perform their tasty alchemies. How many of us still do the kind of work that engages us in a dialogue with the material world that concludes, assuming the chicken Kiev doesn't prematurely leak or the souffle doesn't collapse, with such a gratifying and delicious sense of closure? So maybe the reason we like to watch cooking on television and read about cooking in books is that there are things about cooking we really miss. We might not feel we have the time or energy or the knowledge to do it ourselves every day, but we're not prepared to see it disappear from our lives altogether. If cooking is, as the anthropologists tell us,